Good morning. Did everybody get one of these when you came in? If you did not get one of these, uh, I'm sure that uh, Kay will gladly. So raise your hand if you didn't get one, because we want to get you one. Uh, these are not Pelt the Preacher. That's not what this is. Even though several people immediately, that's where they went. You know, oh, we're going to stone the pastor today. <clears throat> Have you ever asked someone their name? And, and two minutes later, forget two minutes, two seconds later, you could not, for the life of you, for money, you could not have remembered their names. Has that ever happened to anyone else besides me here? That is a, that is a, a terrible thing. I, I don't like that, but that is, you know, that's what happens sometimes. Names are important, and it's important to remember people's names it was several years ago, a new family had just started attending the church. And I, I, man, I love to meet new people. I do. And so, you know, you, you, you want to remember people's names. And, and their, um, this, this family was, uh, you know, they were, they were brand new. And I'm going to, I found out the guy's name. And there's hacks to remember people's names. Have you, have you, ever, have you ever read any of those hacks on social media on how to remember people's names? The, the number one hack is you repeat their name, okay? So when I met this family and I'm introduced to the husband, I'm like, mark this, mark that, mark, 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 mark. I am using his name because I want to get it ingrained into my brain. And if, you know, I'm... I'm being honest, I've gone through that with most everyone that I've met. You know, you just want to get that name down because it's important to them. Well, about three months goes by, and uh, the, the, the husband and the wife are introducing me to one of their sets of parents who have come from out of town for a visit, okay? And I'm marking him up, right? I mark this and mark that, and I'm, you know, just showing my, my, my use of the word mark in the English language. Do you know what I'm saying? Because I, I, want, I want them to know that I know, that I know these people. And, and a couple minutes into it, he leans over to me and he goes, actually, it's Steve. <laughs> and and that, that is a painfully funny, true story that, that I've experienced in the course of being a pastor. But, but people's names are important and I'm never going to stop doing my best to remember them because of how important they are. Hack number two is you have to listen. Okay. And that's the problem. I didn't listen well enough the first time. And sometimes that can come back to bite us. But people's names are important. Shakespeare said something. Now, I'm, I'm not a big Shakespeare guy, but Shakespeare said something um, that I think is interesting. He said, a rose by any other name would smell as sweet. What does he really mean by that? He means that, that that flower smells wonderful no matter what it's called. But, but the, the, the use of the, the name rose isn't what determines its sweet smell. I was doing some reading and I came across an author. Her name is Kyla Scanlon. And she really disagrees with this statement by Shakespeare. And here's what she said. She said, referring to a rose as a daffodil, doesn't diminish the power of a rose, but it does diminish how the rose feels about being a rose. Names matter. Uh, 
Roses do not have feelings, by the way. Just want to make sure that I make that clear. But names make us feel a certain way about us. You know, and, and when we see other people with our name, it matters to us how they represent that name. Do they represent our name well? We want them to do so because we, 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 our name says something to us. And the scripture has some instances where God actually changed people's names. And today, what I want to do is I want to talk to you about God as the name changer. Because you see, I believe that the Bible has something for us in these stories And we have to wonder, why would God go about all this trouble? Because to change a name is to literally change the essence of that individual. If if, if you were to change your name, you you would, in essence, become almost a different person if, if it were changed from birth, if you could back up and do it over. Because our names have such an important impact on who we are. God's Changing of a name represents something new. And I'd like to look at three new things that, that God ultimately wants to accomplish in our lives that are represented through a name change. The first one is this, that, that when God changes a name, it represents a new authority. A new authority. Now, there's, there's something really big that's, that's happened uh, in the last few years when it comes to having children, and it's, it's this whole thing around gender reveal, okay? Um, and people, they think up crazy stuff, all right? And probably one of my most favorite was where a guy set up uh, the shooting range, and he had about a 100-yard target, and, and when he shot the target, the color released so that people knew. And it was, it was, it was a cute, you know, thing where a guy that, you know, had a, uh, you know, he had some influence. It probably wasn't mom's first choice uh, of a gender reveal. Um, but people really put a lot of thought and a lot of effort into these things. Okay, and, and I can't believe that when we had kids, you know, that it, the question that we got is, do you want to know what, what, you know, what the, the sex of the child is? And I remember saying, no, I, I want to be surprised. Man, people don't really like to do that today because we, we're going to start buying things well in advance, okay? And we couldn't really do that, you know? You, you, couldn't, you couldn't get something for sure that was blue or pink because, well, what, what if, you know, we don't know what it's going to be? But I remember as we were preparing to have our second child, um, and, and we, we chose not to find out, you know, if it was a boy or a girl, and so you have to try to pick a boy's name and a girl's name. The problem is we we'd always would have trouble agreeing on names, and we could not agree on a boy's name, and at the last second, we finally agreed on a girl's name, and it would be Rebecca. And I thought to myself, man, that, that's perfect because, because when kids get, the kids get older and they're in school, their friends are going to call them Ben and Becca. And my wife was vehemently opposed to this. Absolutely no nicknames. It will be Benjamin. It will be Rebecca. You know, if it's a girl this time, it, it'll be Rebecca. And so... I, we, 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 the baby came and they no sooner put that baby in her arms for the very first time and my wife said, Becca. I said, wait a second. 
What happened to just a little bit ago when you said no nicknames? She said she just, she just was a Becca. And if you know Becca, that is, that is her. She just is a Becca. Now, as parents, we have this, this incredible um, power. It's, it's not just responsibility, but to name a person, to name a child is incredible. Think about the authority that we have because you're going to give that child that name and they may change it when they get to be 18, but they're already going to be that person, okay? That is an incredible authority that God gives parents to name a child. The name giver has power over the one who receives that name. In Daniel chapter 1, we read about a guy named Nebuchadnezzar. He was the king of uh, Babylon, and he invaded Palestine and, and conquered Jerusalem and, and uh, Israel and Judah. He, he conquered all of the, uh, of the Hebrew people, and he said, you know what, I'm going to take the best and the brightest, and I'm going to take them back to Babylon. And, and they're going to work in my government, and they're really going to raise the level of our people. He would do that wherever he went. Well, uh, we read in Daniel chapter 1, <clears throat> verse 7, it says that the chief official gave them new names. To Daniel, the name Belteshazzar. So when Nebuchadnezzar conquered Palestine, he takes the best, he takes the brightest back to Babylon. He doesn't want a bunch of Hebrew names running around his, his nation. He wants them to have Babylonian names. That's why he changes Daniel to Belteshazzar. That's why he changes the names of his three buddies to Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, which is how you and I know them in Scripture. Those were Hebrews whose names were changed to those names. That ability to change their name represents the power and the authority of Nebuchadnezzar. He was able to do that. And he did it because he wanted to change their identity from being Hebrew to being Babylonian. It takes power to be able to do that. <clears throat> In John chapter 1, we read about a guy named Andrew. And Andrew had just met Jesus, and Andrew thought it'd be a really great idea if he, go, he would go and get his brother, Simon, and he would introduce Simon to Jesus. And he, he goes to Simon, and he said, Simon, he said, I want you to meet uh, this guy because I believe he's the Messiah, so I want you to come, and I want you to meet him. Now, in John chapter 1, we read... In verse 42, and he, meaning Andrew, brought him, meaning Simon, to Jesus. Jesus looked at him and said, you are Simon, son of John. You will be called Cephas, which when translated is Peter. Now, let me tell you a little bit about Peter. Peter was a loud mouth fisherman. Now, not all fishermen are loud mouths, okay? But this one was. 
Uh, he was somebody that, that, was, that was really brass. He was impulsive. He would speak before he ever thought it through. Um, he, was, he was fishing not, not, not recreationally. He was a commercial fisherman. He did it for a living. It was tough. It was dangerous. And I imagine him to be somebody that would fit in very well with the cast of Deadliest Catch. Have you seen that show? Whenever I flip the channels, if I stop on Deadliest Catch, my wife will yell down the hall, what are you watching? Because when you watch Deadliest Catch, it's like, hey, beep, 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 beep. What are you beep, 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 beep doing? And it's, it's more swear words than it is everything else. And they bleep them all out. And, and that's the way those guys live. That's who they are. I imagine Peter as being one of those guys. Can you imagine Peter in the early days of being a disciple? I'm, I'm imagining that there were probably some cuss words in Jesus' disciples, you know, because they had not been sanctified yet at that point. But in Luke chapter 5, we read about one of the first experiences that Peter has with Jesus. And the night before, Peter and his buddies, they had been out fishing all night long. Now, I know some of you in this room, you love to fish, okay? And I see some big fish on your social media posts. But uh, when you go to fish all night long, you are never more excited than when you start an all-night fishing trip. And if you don't catch anything at the end of that night, there, you are never more depressed than you are at that moment. It is a terrible feeling. And Peter had been out all night. They had their boats ashore. And Jesus steps into their boat and says, hey, push me out a little bit so I can talk to this crowd. So Jesus preaches to the crowd. And when he's done, he tells Peter, Peter, let's go deeper. In fact, I'm going to have you throw your net in. Peter said, man, I have been fishing all night. I am tired. I am hungry. We didn't catch a thing. But because you said that I should do it, I'm going to do it. And so Peter goes out deeper, throws his net over, and immediately realizes that there are so many fish in his net that he needs help. He calls to the other boats. They come out. There's so many fish in the net that it almost sinks several boats at the same time. And I want you to look at Luke chapter 5. I want you to look at Peter's response in verse 8. It says, when Simon Peter saw this, he fell at Jesus' knees and said, go away from me, Lord, I am a sinful man. Then look at verse 11. It says, so they pulled their boats up on shore, left everything, and followed him. Peter came to a place where he was surrendering his life to Jesus' authority. Jesus changed his name from Simon to Cephas, or Simon to Peter. He changed his name. There was a new authority in Peter's life. And when you and I come to Christ, there is a new authority that comes into our lives. We are no longer the ones that are leading our, our own lives. We come under a new authority, a new authority. I love what Paul says in 1 Corinthians chapter 6, beginning at verse 19. He said, do you not know that your bodies are temples of the Holy Spirit, who is in you, whom you have received from God? 
You are not your own. You were bought with a price. Therefore, honor God with your bodies. When we come to Christ, we are under his authority. Our bodies, our lives are no longer our own. We are under his authority. And the question for each of us today is, is your life under the authority of Christ? Next, this name change, it represents new identity. I did a little bit of, of, of searching, did a little history uh, this week, and, and uh, came across uh, an individual who was born, Arnold George Dorsey. Now, if anybody was going to recognize that name, uh, nobody said that in the first service, but maybe you do, maybe you don't. Born in India in 1936. And he was a, a singer, and his first single released in 1958, and it was a total flop, an abysmal failure. And in 1961, he contracted tuberculosis, and it almost stopped his ability to sing uh, in the future going forward, but he did manage to recover and he did uh, manage to still have the desire to want to continue to sing, and, and his manager convinced him that he needed to sort of relaunch and restart his career, and that he probably needed a name change. Now, think about that. You're the same, the same person, you're the same singer, you have the same abilities, you might even be singing the same songs. How effective would a name change be at helping your career? And I want you to remember that at this time, and in the particular uh, time period of 1967, the Beatles were at their, their creative height. They were the, the group worldwide. And when this guy changed his name, his popularity soared so fast that he actually held the Beatles off for six weeks with the number one song on the top 40. Do you want to know what he changed his name to? Engelbert Humperdinck. Who would willingly change their name to Engelbert Humperdinck? If you can't laugh at that this morning, you're dead. You, you have no funny bone in you, Okay. His fame didn't start until after his name change. Now, we read in Genesis chapter 25 about a young couple, Isaac and Rebecca, and they have twin boys. The first one is born, his name is Esau. And the second one that's born, his name is Jacob. Look at Genesis 25, 26. It says, after this, his brother came out with his hand grasping Esau's heel, so he was named Jacob. Does that make sense? What that means is the name Jacob means grasping at the heel or heel grabber. It is not a positive thing. Now, how would you like to live under the pressure as a little kid when your mom steps outside the tent and says, Jacob, it's time to come in, and everybody knows exactly what that means? There are some things that I would like to, to say that we could be called because of things that we did when we were little that I don't think any of us would appreciate. 
Imagine living up under that kind of pressure as a kid into adulthood. Everyone always knowing what you were doing the moment that you were born and it wasn't very positive and you couldn't shake that name. Years later, we read that Jacob steals Esau's birthright and he does so deceptively. And then a few years after that, he tricks his father into giving him the blessing. Genesis chapter 27, verse 36, Esau said, isn't he rightly named Jacob? In other words, isn't he rightly named heel grabber? Isn't he rightly named the one who steals from me? This is the second time he's taken advantage of me. He took my birthright and now he's taken my blessing. The Bible says that Jacob ran away because he didn't want to have to face Esau. He runs away and he was separated from Esau for 20 years and the night before they are reunited. They both have families. They both have very large households. God has blessed them both. But the night before, God shows up and the Bible says that he wrestled with Jacob. We read in Genesis chapter 32, verse 28. Then the man said, your name will no longer be Jacob. Your name will no longer be heel grabber. But Israel, because you have struggled with God and with humans and have overcome. From birth, Jacob was known as a sneaky thief. He was known as a, as a deceiver, someone who was going to get ahead of you by his cunning, someone who was going to really probably cheat you out of what was rightfully yours, and God changes his name to Israel, which means prince of God. Now that's an upgrade. That's an upgrade. Imagine God wanting to change your name from sneaky, conniving, stealing thief to prince of God. That meant something. His identity was changed. Now, I want you to know that, that literally, that uh, uh, from the, 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 the moment, okay, that, that he thought he was going to get what was due him, God blesses him and changes his name. Look at 2 Corinthians 5.17. This is for you and I. Paul says this, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come, the old has gone, the new is here. When we come to Christ, we literally become a brand new creation. We're not the same. The old is gone, the new is come. And we receive a new identity in Christ. Let me ask you, do you feel confident that you've received that new identity in Christ? Because if you have not, today can be the day that you receive that. Thirdly, that name change, it represents a new purpose. We meet this guy in Acts chapter 8. His name is Saul. When we meet him... He is standing there giving approval for the stoning of Stephen, who was the first martyr in the church. Now, that's not a very positive look, but this guy was a Pharisee. He was really zealous for the law of Moses, and he was not going to let Christianity stand in the way. 
And so he decided that not only was he going to approve of Stephen stoning, but he was going to go door to door. And he was going to find these Christians and he was going to punish them. Imagine there being a knock at our door. Hey, anybody here believe that, that Jesus rose from the dead? Anybody believe that he's the Messiah? Yeah, come with me, you're going to jail. That's exactly what Saul did. And he did that not only in Jerusalem, but he obtained permission to go to other cities and to put other people from other cities in jail based on if they believed that Jesus was the Messiah. On his way to one of those cities, the Bible says that he had an encounter with Jesus Christ. He saw a bright light. He heard Jesus talking to him. And that day, his purpose changed. You see, Saul's purpose was to be zealous for the law and to persecute Christians. But as Paul, his purpose was to take the message of the gospel of Jesus Christ to the Gentiles of the known world. Everything changed, and his name change represented that change. And I want you to know something that Saul, and we often think of that when he met Jesus on the road, that, that Jesus changed his name that day to Paul. Paul had more than one name. You see, Paul was a Jew born in Tarsus, which was a, a, a Roman-led city. So Paul was given a Jewish name and a Roman name. Saul is his Jewish name. Paul is his Roman name. And when God changed his purpose, the name change came with it. You see, he no longer needed to be called Saul because his mission was to go out into the Gentile or the Roman-led world and to spread the gospel of Jesus Christ. And he did so using the name Paul. When God does a work in us and God changes our purpose the name change that accompanies it is very important. I want to remind you that God has a name change in store for each of us. I want you to take out what you received, hopefully at the door, this little rock. I want you to look at it. I washed them off. I want you to know that I washed them all off because they were dusty and dirty and they were in a, in a bag and there was a lot of like, like dust associated with them, but I cleaned them off because I thought about a verse from Revelation. Revelation chapter 2, verse 17. It says, I will also give that person a white stone with a new name written on it, known only to the one who receives it. And I was looking into this verse and, and reflecting also on, on uh, the book of Genesis chapter 41 where Joseph is promoted to number two in Egypt under Pharaoh. And it says that Pharaoh gave him a ring, a signet ring. And that ring came with all of the authority and the favor of Pharaoh. So Joseph could do whatever he needed to do 
to get the job done that Pharaoh gave him to do. And the ring gave him that favor. It gave him that authority. And the stone that John the Apostle is talking about in the book of Revelation is a stone that comes with it, the favor of God. And it says that there's a name written on that stone. And that stone and that name, that name is known only to the one to whom it is given. And you say, why is that important to me today? Because I think that if you're like other people, that you remember the names that you've been given throughout your life. For some of you, it may be your given name. Maybe your given name is a source of angst in your life. Maybe it was a nickname that you had when you were a kid. Maybe like Jacob, you did something silly and no one ever forgot it and they gave you a nickname and they tagged you with that and you've had to live with that your whole life. Maybe... It's not something that your parents gave you or family or friends, but maybe you yourself, you remember the things that you used to do, the way that you used to be, the mistakes that you have made. And you hear this voice in your head reminding you. You have those memories that come back from time to time of the mistakes that you have made and the name associated with those mistakes. And I believe the enemy wants to keep those things happening in our lives. He wants us to think of ourselves with those names. But Revelation says that God has given us a white stone with a name, a new name. Think of God giving you a new name. And it's not about the failure that you used to be. It's not about the silly things that you did as a kid that no one ever forgot. I can only imagine what those could be like because families and friends, they can be funny, but they can also be cruel. The mistakes that you've made, that you think about, that you imagine that, that you, you did those and you live with that sense of regret and, and there's a name in your mind associated with that action or that activity or that mistake or that thing that you did, that, that lifestyle that you lived. And God says, I have a new name for you. I have a new name for you. I have a new authority for you to live under. I have a new identity for you. I have a new purpose for you. I have a new name. And he is the one that has the authority to give it. Just like as a parent, you have the authority to name your child. You might be living with that name. And thinking to yourself, it'd be great if I could get rid of that name. It'd be great if I could get rid of that thought, that memory, that mistake in my past. I want you to know that God has a new name for you. Would you bow your heads with me? Father, I thank you for your word. And Lord, I pray today that if there's anyone that has not yet surrendered their lives to your authority, that today would be that day. 
I'm just going to pause here and just ask that question. Have you surrendered yourself to Jesus' authority? Have you invited him to become the Lord of your life? If you've never done that today, I would just encourage you to take a moment and just say, God, I accept Jesus as my Savior today. I believe that he died for my sin, that he rose again and that he's alive today. And God, I accept Jesus as my Savior. Forgive me of my sins. When we do that, we come under the authority of Jesus Christ. We receive a new identity and a new purpose in Christ. If you've never done that, I just want to encourage you to pray that prayer for yourself and begin that new life, that new identity, that new purpose in Christ. But you know, I'm going to bet there's probably quite a few people here that you've lived with some names, whether somebody else has tagged you with it or you did it yourself, and it just it repeats in your mind from time to time and you can't seem to escape it. And you'd like to be free of that name and you would like it if God changed your name. He is the name changer. It may, it may be a, a, a name that, that is about a season of time in your life. It may be a name that resembles mistakes that you've made. It may resemble um, a way that you used to be or the way people thought you were. But, but, and, and it may not be something that, that someone else has said. Maybe it's only in your own mind. But you say, man, I need God as the name changer to change my identity and give me a new identity in Christ. If that's you, I want to pray for you as we close our service today. Just slip your hand up and let me know that that's you. And I don't want you to hesitate. If, if you're feeling the Holy Spirit move in your heart, then I want you to just raise your hand up so that I can pray for you as we close our service today. Father, I thank you I thank you that Jesus is the name changer. I thank you that we are who you declare us to be. And Lord, I pray today that we will be careful not to listen to the voices of our past that remind us of silly childhood things that we did, that we're not that person, that remind us of an old lifestyle that we live. We are not that person. And so we want to bring the memories of our past under the authority and under the blood of Jesus Christ because you have given us a new identity and a new name in Jesus Christ. Father, I thank you for that new name. And I pray that as we go from this place today, that we will remember that we are who you have said we are, not the voices of our past. And we thank you for that. In Jesus' name we pray.